We'll take time now to hear from our Father's Word. First, I'd like you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we'll be starting with verse 4. And then if you know where all of this is, closer to the end of the Bible, to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, where in the New Testament the Apostle Paul takes the fifth command and applies it to the life of the church. As you're turning there, I've been so thankful for the ministry of music this morning. That, that song drawn from Psalm 46 is one that tells us that in the midst of whatever happens in our world, we can know the presence, peace, and shalom of God. So thank, thank you so much. It's just beautifully and powerfully done. And Kathleen, I don't think we're going to let you leave. That, uh, that Vivaldi pieces, he did more than just four seasons. That's just so beautifully done. Thank you. Welcome home. Well, let's stand now and hear our Father's word remembering that he is the maker of heaven and earth and is teaching us how he would have us to live. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 4. Remember, this is the word of our Father. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. Then at verse 5, and he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, now, how are we to live? The fifth commandment in verse 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then in Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul writes in verse 1. Children, using the word for little children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. In our study on the maker's instructions, the way that God created people made in his image to live. Today, we come to the fifth commandment. It's often been called the family command. Now, I want to be frank with you. The more I thought about this command, the less I wanted to preach it. I'm not joking. I was trying to avoid it. I almost wanted to give it to Denny last week. Because it, on one side, it's so complex. And the other, it is so personal. And often, for many of us, very, very emotional. I mean, what am I going to talk about today? What kind of family am I talking about? Uh, am I talking about uh, expecting that all of the families of Lake Avenue Church will either be or somehow become that what we've often thought of as the perfect nuclear family in the Western world with two perfect parents, of course, and, and three or however many perfect children? That's the way it was sort of assumed when I grew up. And yet now that I look back, those so-called perfect Families, as we tried to live them out, were not as perfect as they tried to seem to be when they went to church on Sunday morning. 
Then, then with a family command, am I, am I going to say anything to single people? Single parents? Uh, people who are married who don't have children? Am I going to talk about families where the uh, children were abandoned by their father or father and mother when they, they were young? And especially, am I going to say anything about what we know is far too common in our world, the, the abuse that takes place in families? Am I just going to, to ignore that? And then, I, so often I've heard uh, messages about this command, and when pastors in the Western world, U.S., talk about family, so often what we talk about is only the nuclear family. Uh, so we, we, we talk about, we usually begin something like this, you know, we have the disintegration of the family and we need to restore it as it was because the family isn't playing any role in people's lives. And, and it is true, and that needs to be said. It needs to be said that in the U.S. right now, for every marriage that has begun, there is one that disintegrates. So you can't ignore that. But I found out when I talked about this in my former job uh, at, at Trinity International University, after I would talked about the family in that way, I had a whole group of our Asian students say, we want to have lunch with you. And so I got together with a group of students from Japan and Korea, Singapore and China. And they sat down and said, when we wrestle with the matters of our family, it's just the opposite of what you talked about this morning. We have families where we're expected to be absolutely perfect. And even though we sense God's call to be this, they control our lives. So what do we do about that? So that's why I thought I'm going to punt this and give it maybe to Pastor Chuck. You want to come up and <laughs> this morning? And yet... I tell you, as I've come to this message and prayed about it and thought about us as a church here at the Lake Avenue Church and, and recognize that we live in 21st century Southern California. And in this church, there is such an incredible diversity of backgrounds, of family systems and styles that we have or that we have come from. I have found that there is one word that God gave long, long ago that whatever we have experienced in our family can give us the first step, the beginning, to how we are to live well in relationship to all people. It starts here, he says. Honor your father and your mother. And even though that's command, he wants to underscore it. As the Lord your God has commanded you. As if we need to hear that again. And then the promise. Even though the, about all the commands, he says, so that it may go well with you this one it's as if he says i want you to be assured of this honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and you may live long in that community in that land in that world in which i have put you may the lord help us as we think about how we obey that command there are four lessons that i want to give you you ready to think about them the first is what i have called the norm of our family lives uh, partly, I, I just want to ask why this command is in the list of ten. Uh, I want us to look at this commandment in a little bit, bit of a different way because I think sometimes we, even, even unchurched people, know that there are ten commandments. And we often think, well, these are sort of random bits of advice that are given to us that we should live out, kind of like the book of Proverbs might be. But I want us to rethink about when these were given. The Lord spoke to me out of the fire on the mountain. And he said, that nation that I'm putting together to be my people, then the people of Israel, through whom Messiah would come, there is a way that when I am the Lord of their lives, they are to live. And embedded in this is, 
Honor your father and your mother. You see, this isn't just some, some random advice. We have here in the United States a Bill of Rights. But really, this is sort of like for the whole nation, a Bill of Duties. This is how everybody in this nation is to live if I am going to be the one in control. Now, when you think about it that way, don't you think it's kind of shocking that something like honor your father and mother is in the list? I mean, I, I can see that we might put that back here in our nursery. We might put it in the youth lounge. But to sort of embed it in the halls of power of the nation as the one authority that must be upheld. Don't, don't you think that's a rather remarkable thing? Am I the only one who thinks that's remarkable? I mean, I, I could see in a document like this, honor the king. I could see in an ancient world, honor your judges, uh, uh, honor the courts, um, maybe in a, in a theocracy like this, honor your priest. I would really like to have been honor your pastor. You know, I love just get up here every week and drive that home. But why is it that of all of the authority structures to be found in our entire world, God chooses only one to be embedded in the Ten Commandments? Honor your father and your mother. And, and, and the other point that I want you to think about is where it's located. It's the fifth command. Now, I, I pointed out that there are two parts of the Ten Commands. Jesus boiled them all down to two parts. The first part, honor God. Love the Lord your God with all of your being, Jesus said. That summarizes these first five. And, and honor or, or love uh, your neighbor as yourself, the people who come across your path. Now, let me ask you about this fifth commandment. Is that the last of the first part of the commands or the beginning of the second? Is it the last command that helps us to see how we are to love God? Or is it the beginning of the second, how we are to love people? I, I tell you, just where it's located shows you its significance. It's sort of that hinge that leads us from one to the other. That if we are truly going to show honor to God in this world, he has placed some authority in this world that is supposed to. If it's going to be what it's supposed to be, it's, a, it's supposed to reflect his ways and his authorities to future generations. On the other side, it's, if, if it's the beginning of how we love our neighbors as ourselves, then what he's saying is this. If you're going to be able to relate to anybody in this world and any kind of authority in this world, you've got to start here. If you don't get this one right, you'll not get any of them right. All I want to say is this, that even though I wanted to punt this command, I began to see how important it is for us. I call it the norm, the norm of, of existence. I think that regardless of your family system, whether it was good or bad, regardless of your ethnicity or nationality, regardless of what time you've lived, whether 3,000 years ago or whether now, God is saying, if you're going to live well and your community is going to hold together, you must start here. This is a command for each one of us gathered here today. All right, that brings me to the second lesson. If so, what are the obligations? <laughs> what does God really expect of us? And it brings me to that word honor. Honor your father and your mother. What does that mean? I mean, practically speaking. It's a broad word, don't you think? Some will even say it is a vague word. What is expected of people if they're supposed to honor their, their parents? Now, even if you've come from a good, a relatively good family, you know that parents can sometimes be a pain, right? 
I'm glad my kids aren't here. I think I got an amen right there. And, and even if ours were absolutely perfect, we can look around us and know that that's not always true. Uh, one of the things that I have to see and that makes this command so hard to talk about is that anytime people know that the pastor's going to talk about family, there, there's almost a wall that comes up that says, yes, but not my family. Uh, we have to be appalled when we think about the abuse that happens in our world. And it's not just in the U.S. It happens here. It, it's all over the world. Children even being sold into slavery at times. Sometimes it's physical abuse. Sometimes it's emotional, psychological abuse, which can be even more devastating. How on earth can we talk about honoring father and mother in a world like the one we live in? Now, let me set us free a little bit with this. I want you to see that that word honor, what it does not mean, what it does not mean. It doesn't mean that we are commanded to admire our parents. Do you see that? Because we have to be honest. Sometimes there are parents in this world who are not very admirable. It does not command us to have affection for our parents. Because there are times when we simply cannot show affection to our parents. It doesn't even tell us that we are commanded to confide in or even to trust our parents. Because there are parents who have proven not to be trustworthy uh, many times we think that if we just live long, your parents have to be wiser. You have to trust them. But you know, the Bible tells us that it's simply living more years doesn't make us necessarily wiser or more mature. Biblically, what makes us more mature is growing in Christ and becoming more like him. So simply living long doesn't make people wise or more trustworthy, nor does it tell us that we have to put ourselves in a position with our parents where we put ourselves in a vulnerable place where we can be victimized or further abused. It doesn't say any of those. Do you see that? And for those of you who have come from difficult family situations, isn't that a bit freeing? But what it does say is honor. All right. It's easier to tell you what it's not than what it is. But I, I've written down just four principles. I want you to think about them prayerfully, prayerfully, as I, and think about what they might mean to you in your family situation. Principle number one. It seems to me that this word honor in the Bible means something like treat them as significant. Treat them with the significance that their role as being a parent uh, deserves simply because of what a parent is supposed to be in the world that God has made. Uh, treat them with appropriate respect for what they represent in this world. You see, because whether they do it well or not, parents represent the kind of authority that God intended in this world to be passed on to future generations, to, to teach children how to live, to teach children how to, to respond to authority. That's what parents are supposed to be. The Hebrew word is kabod. It's a wonderful word. It means it, literally weight. Uh, W-E-I-G-H-T. And, and what it really is saying this is don't take your parents lightly. Whatever they have done, don't just write them off. Uh, know that the role that they play and continue to play in your life is a significant one. And what that means practically is hard to nail down. I, I think it, it, it certainly means that you and I continue to pray for our parents. We long somehow that they will come to Christ or grow in Christ, even if they're imperfect. Um, 
It means, I believe, that we find a way to forgive parents if they have failed. Because even on on our side, if we don't learn to forgive them, they continue to control us. You know that, don't you? To, To hold bitterness toward our parents for all of our lives often means that we continue to be controlled. To find some way to be able to forgive them. And I have thought, and this may be right, that that the Bible lets us know that just as you and I are made in the image of God, and God as Father is one, that we are to reflect that image to the world, that we also do image our parents. And that means when we come to Christ, even if they have not lived the way that God would have them to live, that we begin living life in a way that they can be proud of us when they see us. It's one of the ways we might honor parents even after they have passed on. Live lives in a way that would bring honor to that family. So one of the principles is this. We need to prayerfully consider how we might treat parents as significant even if they have not always been honorable. Principle two. For Christian parents who are here and and you kind of stand in the place where I do. I'm both a child but also a parent. I see that if we're going to listen to this command, that this command to us, this imperative to honor father and mother carries with it an implied obligation on the part of the parent to seek, to long to be worthy of that honor. Um, Now, this is implied in many places in the Bible. and You've got to be with me on this. There are many laws that are found in the book of Moses that tell us that parents aren't supposed just to have utter authority to do what is absolutely wrong. There are laws that sort of restrict what parents might do that are so different from the rest of the ancient world. What am I talking about? Most of the, of the ancient world's laws allowed parents to execute their own children. Did you know that? But the Bible wouldn't let that happen. Say, That's a small thing. It is for us, but it wasn't for them. There are, there are other sorts of um, laws that are there that, w- that would place restrictions on mean-spirited parents who would take away a child's inheritance so that it would lead them to ruin. Once again, I know we have lawyers and judges. You may say, well, that's nothing compared to the massive child protection legislation that we have in 21st century United States. But I'll tell you, in the world in which the Ten Commandments were given, that was a huge thing. All of this is to say that in the Bible... When, when you hear this command, it does speak directly to us in our roles as children. But for those of us who want to obey God, it has a message for us to seek to be worthy of honor. And that's why I wanted to read that Ephesians 6 text to you, where the Apostle Paul would take it and he would say, OK, remember this, little children, and that's where you get, little children, you obey your parents. This is right. But he would say, fathers, I can almost hear him thinking the way that I'm thinking. Fathers, that doesn't mean you can just do anything. Don't embitter your children, he says in Ephesians 6. Don't exasperate them. And the word really is doing things and saying things that just sap the life out of your kids. All of this is to say that if we're going to listen to this command, it's directly spoken to children. And we have to find a way to honor, honor our parents, whether they're honorable or not. But if we're really going to listen to God... In our role as parents, it means that we're going to seek to be worthy of honor. My prayer, what what I jotted down when I was studying this, is this. I want to be the kind of person about whom my children say it was a joy and a privilege to honor my father. I think if you make that a prayer, we're, we're not going to go far wrong. Principle three. 
the obligation, and this is to some of the, like those students who talk to me, uh, this third principle, the obligation laid upon children by this commandment must take second place to the demands of God in our lives. Uh, the, the principle here is, uh, is a word to the problem of parents who, who think that a command like this is sort of a club. <laughs> Did you hear what the preacher said? Do whatever I want you to do. I want you to know that the biblical command to honor our parents doesn't mean that we treat our parents as gods whose whims we have to obey no matter what they say to us. Remember, it's not the first command. It's the fifth command. And the honor of our parents must come second to our obedience to God. Remember what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Anyone who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Or, parent, anyone who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. See, honoring Jesus, honoring God, comes first. And, and as I so often said, uh, when first things are put first, second things are not diminished. When God is put first, then relationship to family uh, can take a better place. Because parents can be awful gods as well. Now... Oh, well, is there anybody here in church as old as I am or older? When I was in college, there was this teaching going around in the church that there is a chain of command. Do any of you remember that? That, that somehow that when God puts an authority over you and they tell you you have to do something, uh, even if it's what God would not have you to do, that God will hold that person responsible and not you? A chain of command? There's nothing in the Bible like that. It tells us that we are to honor and obey God. And if his demands contradict what our parents are saying, he is first. It's the first command to honor God. This is the fifth. Principle number four. And here you must think carefully. I think that the application of this word honor changes as we get older. Uh, when we're little children, uh, I, I think usually it just simply means to obey. That, Ephesians 6 1. That's a, children, little children is the word he used. Obey your parents. This is right. Uh, when, when we're little children, we can't separate the commands of our parents from the commands of God so that we can't obey God first. So, as little children, the command means basically to obey. But as we get to be older, as we become adults, especially when we start to establish some independence, when we go through that rite of passage, and especially to those who may be there, when we gain some independence from financial uh, dependence upon our parents, surely, without question, uh, when marriage is entered into, the Bible says we are to leave and to cleave. Some parents find that to be so hard. A new next of kin that is taken on. Really, when we enter into adulthood, when we're able to hear God's voice and respond to it, it seems to me that the obligation of honor begins to change from obey to something like respect. To something like respect. Um, and that's why I think adolescence is so hard for us and our families. Because they're in that transition period. 
Uh, some parents are great parents for little children because they can give good, clear directions. Do this, 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 and this. But when their children get to be older into those high school years, into adolescence, they become, it's a little harder to be able to take your hands off and allow people to make those decisions. And I think that's why some parents are really good for older children because they give a lot of freedom but need to be able to give much more direction when they're younger. The hard part is to be wise enough to appreciate that things begin changing. And that's why when you read the uh, Old Testament, there are a lot of laws that tell us never to disrespect our parents. But there are some times that we must disobey if what our parents ask for contradicts the law of God. But then I think there's another stage. And maybe I'm beginning to see this simply because I'm at that stage. We hit, hit another period where when our parents are becoming weaker and we're a bit stronger... It seems to me that the meaning of this changes from honor to more like something like uh, care for. Care for your parents. Um, I want you to see these strong words found in 1 Timothy chapter 5. I wrote them here because these have hit me so hard. You know, I have a father who's 86 and, and physically growing weaker, those mentally strong. My mother has Alzheimer's disease and they're far, far away. So I've tried to think about what does it mean to honor right now? And then this one hit me so hard. If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should, first of all, put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so by repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. And if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith. He's worse than an unbeliever. I mean, these are strong words, don't you think? And uh, Jesus, in fact, in Matthew 15, you can read it, verses 3 to 7, says that there were Pharisees in his days that were breaking the command by saying, oh, 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 we don't have to obey parents because we have to do some other things within, within the church. And he says, listen, that is dishonoring God. I, I have wondered whether in 21st century America it's in this phase of, of care for aging parents that we need to listen most carefully There were no geriatric hospitals in ancient Israel, and so it had to happen in the family. And in our day, I know that sometimes our hospitals and social care agencies can do things that I could never do as a child. I know that sometimes parents get to the place where physically it's hard for us to do anything. And I do know this, that there are many times as parents get to be older, they become so cranky, you just don't even know what to do with them. I know all of that is true. And yet at the same time, I can't get away from this command. And and it, it means at least this, that we who want to obey God dare not let our elderly parents uh, be left in despair, isolation, and loneliness. To this point, I've just been praying that God would give me wisdom to know what to do. And maybe you need to join me in prayer about that. The whole point being, that this word honor, father and mother, is no light word. It means weight. But whatever role we are in, no matter how old or young or what place we are in, there is a significance, a weight placed upon honoring parents. Which brings me to the third lesson, just very briefly. I call it the church as family. The church as family. Uh, what it is that God provides in this imperfect world and what we must be. The point I've been making is that if we're going to learn to live well, learn to have appropriate relationships with anyone. It it needs to take place within the family. But God knows that the the sin in this world has affected not only us as individuals, but our families as well. So if people are supposed to learn how to live, 
within this world in the context of the family and our families have fallen apart or there's abuse there or whatever happens. How are people going to learn to live if our families are in shambles? And this is a part of the gospel I want you to think about. Because when God looked at us and said, they need help. They need forgiveness of their sins. They need the power of the Holy Spirit to become new people. He sent his one and only son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross so that you and I can know forgiveness of sins. We can be brought into right relationship to God and God would give us his spirit and begin remaking us. This is the hallelujah part of the gospel. This is good news, right? Now, there's another piece of this good news I want to drive home today. That when you trust Jesus and enter into a relationship with God as Father, you're brought into a relationship with someone else. Who? Us. <laughs> well, well, you're supposed to be smiling a whole lot. We're brought into this, this global, historic family of God. The wall that separated us from God is down. And when we enter into a relationship with God, the wall that separates people from people is down. So that those old walls of, of, of color and educational level and, and, and giftedness, all those things that separate people from people are down. And we become a part of one family. And it's supposed to be within these local gatherings of God's family that so many of the things that may not happen in an imperfect a biological family can begin happening here. Uh, the things that are supposed to happen in a family. So, sometimes you learn to work out problems. Because when you get up the next day, you're still in the same family, right? I love that Rob, Robert Frost poem. Home is that place that when you go there, they have to take you in. <laughs> well, if you don't have a family that's like that and, and people cut themselves off so easily, where can you find a family where we just belong to one another and we're going to forever? Here it is. So I, I just want you to know that if there are things you don't like about church, keep coming anyway. If the sermon is bad for a couple of weeks, keep coming back. Don't leave your family too easily. And from our side toward you, when you fail, well, we dare not abandon you too easily. Because it's in the family that we learn to work these things out. Often the greatest growth in a family happens in the most difficult times. And for us in a church too, when we're just faithful, you know, sticking there in, in tough times. We often see the greatest work of God in and through us. Isn't that right? So I think sometimes God sends local church families like this to us to be able to be that family to one another. And this is one of my dreams for our church. I just dream of it. I, I, it's countercultural. Big churches in 21st century Southern California are supposed to be so slick and professional that you just come in and go, right? But I am praying that, that we're going to break that pattern that more and more this church will become and function like the family that God would have it to be. This is why Pastor Marion and I are giving so much time to this. How can we help people get into relationship with one another? We must worship together, but we also need to get into smaller groups, our, our classes, our adult classes, or in the small groups that we're talking about. I long for you to find one, because I think in those places we experience family. And, and in those tough times, uh, we have people who support us. And when we go the wrong direction, we have people who correct us. And when we become too proud, we have people who sort of confront us, kind of like my brother would always do when I would try to act like I was something uppity because I was a university president and now a pastor of a big church. My brother would say, ah, you want me to tell them some of the stories of when we grew up together? 
just rip this out. We need that. We need that. My prayer is that we will function more and more as a family here so that we can learn to live well. Last lesson, last lesson that I have for us. And that is what, what I have called the rewards of obedience. If we obey this fifth command, what happens when we say yes? Again, God says, I'm going to give you these commands not to ruin your life, but I'm going to give them so that it, it may go well with you in that place that I have put you in. It's a blessing that comes. And here we see that honor your father and your mother. God says, well, that's true of all the commands, but I, but I think some people are going to find it hard to believe. So <laughs> this is the command with a promise, says the Apostle Paul says, that it will go well with you and that you will live long in that place that I have put you. Now, there is something to us individually that we may individually live well, but really, it is talking to us as a whole community that it will go well with us if we learn to do this. And being the one that is the first of the commands about how to love our neighbor as ourselves, what I see God saying is this. If you will learn, even in an imperfect family, to show appropriate honor uh, to your parents, it will serve you well in every relationship that you have in this world. After all, when you go in and you have an imperfect boss, where have you learned to respond to that kind of authority? If you live in a world that has imperfect politicians and laws, where do we learn how to respond in the midst of that sort of imperfect world? If you go to an imperfect church where even you have a pastor who is imperfect, how do you learn how to live and respond And what what the Bible is saying is the thing that is going to help us to learn how to live and pass it on to other generations is it begins right here. Honor your father and your mother. Tim Keller, pastor at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in in Manhattan, has put it so well. Um, I think I have it. He said, a society that destroys the honoring of its parents destroys itself. He says, if we can't learn how to honor people within that context, the whole society will live with a lot of dishonor and no civility. I was pointed to a wonderful tale from the Brothers Grimm. It's one that's less known. It's called The Old Man and the Grandson. Do you know it? Let's pretend we really are kind of a biological And I'll be the father reading the story before we, before we go to bed. Uh, listen to this story and think about it. There was once a very old man whose eyes had become dim, his ears dull of hearing, his knees trembled. And when he sat at the table, he could hardly hold a spoon. And he spilt the broth upon the tablecloth or he let it run down the side of his mouth. His son and his son's wife were disgusted at this. So the old grandfather at last was forced to sit in the corner behind the stove. And they gave him his food in an earthenware bowl and not even enough of it. And he used to look toward the table with his eyes full of tears. Once too. His trembling hands could not hold the bowl, and it fell to the ground and broke. The young wife scolded him, but he said nothing and only sighed. Then 
They bought him a wooden trough made for pigs out of which he had to eat. They were once sitting thus when the little grandson of four years old began gathering some bits of wood upon the ground. What are you doing there? asked the father. Oh, I am making a trough, answered the child, for father and mother to eat out of when I become old. (laughs) The man and his wife looked at each other for a while and presently they began to cry. Then... They took the old grandfather to the table and henceforth always let him eat with them and likewise said nothing if he did spill but a little bit of anything. Where do we live to show appropriate respect and honor in a perfect world, in an imperfect world? The Bible tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is so hard because people so often are so unlovable. Where do we even begin? And this, I tell you, upon the authority of God's word, is where it all starts. Honor your father and your mother. As the Lord your God has commanded you, Honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you and so that you may live long in that place where God has put you. May may God give us wisdom to know how to apply this. May he give us the faith to do so. May he give us the power actually to obey him. May God help us to his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray I've been faithful to your word where I have been. Help us, regardless of what has happened in our families, help us to know how we should live. Open up our hearts to be willing to obey you. Open up our minds that we might be able to see what you would have us to do. And then, Father, I pray for each one of us. Give us the strength to obey. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.